We're going to continue. We're continuing our, our series, like I talked about, you know, letters to KCF. And I just hope, I just hope and pray that you're engaged in this series. You know, whether it be in a life group and you're going through the, through the book and you're discussing, you're being challenged, or at the very, very least, that, that, that you're reading through the book and coming here <clears throat> on Sundays. The reason why this is so important, because that book... Is, is outlining what God is speaking to all of us, what God is saying to our church here. You know, it's, it's just, it's, um, it's amazing to me to see that that's what God is trying to say to us. And that's why we call this series Letters to KCF, because it's really God speaking to us. Now, you probably, as you've been reading, or you're in a life group, you're discussing, or you're reading, and you're, you're really taking to heart what the book is all about, um, it's got to be challenging, right? I mean, you, you might be reading something like, I don't know if I, I signed up for this. This is like, whoa, this is like radical. And, um, and, if, and if you thought that the chapters and the, the, the chapters that we've discussed and gone through together are challenging, the chapter we're going to talk about today is probably the most challenging that... Um, it is probably the most challenging, and it addresses something that the church here in the United States almost never talks about. You know, it's, uh, it, it addresses something that, for, for a lot of us, we would rather maybe not talk about at all. But it's something that's so, so, so important. It's so important that Coach Reed Takasuka said, I got to be there today. And so he came. <clears throat> um, so we got to pray, okay? Because we've got to ask God to speak to us. Because this is more, it's got to be more than a lecture. It's got to be more than you came here and you heard something and it kind of tickled your brain a little bit. It's got to be something that God in his spirit touches our spirit. It's got to be that. And so why don't you pray with me, and, 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 and it's not like, okay, let's just pray. Uh, let's pray, and, and you ask God, God, I give you permission to speak to my soul. <clears throat> okay, so let's pray. Father, oh, we need you, and, and we especially need you today to lead us, that, that we need you to, to be here in a very fatherly way. That, that, that we need you to, to remind us, to be with us, and say, you know, son, daughter, I am right here. Holy Spirit, we need you to speak to our hearts. <clears throat> and so we open our hearts to you today. And we give you permission to speak to us. And Father, we pray that our flesh would not get in the way this morning. We pray that our enemy would not be able to come and distract or confuse or, or in any way dissuade us from what you have for us today. And so we say, come Holy Spirit, come and be here. And we would experience <clears throat> your presence in a real way. 
We just thank you. Thank you that you're here. We ask for even more. I pray that today, that as we engage with your word, and that you're here in our midst, that we would have an experience with you today. That we would see your face today. That we would so experience your presence today. We would leave this place that we met God. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I realized that one of the, the very, very, very first verses that I ever memorized in my life um, speaks to what God is wanting us to, to address this morning. You know, in Galatians 2.20, and some of you memorized this verse. A lot of you know this verse. You know, I've been crucified with Christ, right? We, we kind of, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but what? But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By faith in the Son of God. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. <clears throat> and I read that. And I thought, you know, it was just so easy for me to think, wow, that's such a great verse. That, that Jesus died for me. That Jesus was crucified for me. And then I began to realize that it's a whole lot more than that, right? It says, Paul is saying, I have been crucified with Christ. And he's saying, it is no longer I who live. Why? Because he got crucified. And so he's saying, the life that I now live, that's in my flesh, in my body, I don't live for me anymore. But Christ lives in me. And just as Jesus gave himself up for me, he's calling me to give myself up for him. That we have been crucified. That we are to die to ourselves. That when we picture Jesus on that cross, dying for us, Paul is saying, that you got to be right there with them. And you're dying to yourself. And as Christians, we often think of all that God has done for us. Died for us. Man, he blesses us. That um, I'm so excited to follow Jesus because when I follow Jesus, my life gets better. And, and we think of all that stuff. But... But this one verse is calling us to something a whole lot more than that. That, that what Paul is saying, that our focus has to change. Because we're no longer living for ourselves. That we're living with Christ in us. Christ in us. And we, as he gave himself up, we are to give ourselves up. And living in this me, me first world, oh, that's a challenge. Right? That is a challenge. Not only are we to live for God, but we're supposed to suffer like Jesus suffered because we've been crucified with him. And I realize 
that as Christians, because we are so immersed in a culture that is me first, me first, we are selfish without even realizing we are. And so when we think of being Christians, we, we think that it means that if I'm a Christian, that it exempts us from any pain and suffering. Right? That, that in a way, though, that's kind of true. Because when we follow Jesus and we heed all his commands, his instructions, we don't suffer the, the consequences of our bad decisions. We don't suffer the consequences of our sins. And so a lot of ways, when we follow Jesus, we avoid some pain and some suffering. But the truth is, this side of heaven, that we're all going to suffer the pain and, and the challenges and the suffering of living in a world that's tainted by sin. Right? That's just going to be, that, that, that there's going to be pain and suffering when we experience things like sickness or or afflictions, or there's pain and suffering with broken relationships and broken hearts and losses in our lives. That when we lose someone, when there's death, you know, that's painfulness. That's painful. That's suffering. And being Christians, we're not exempt from that. And somehow in our minds, we almost convinced ourselves that when we're a Christian, things are just going to go really great. I remember one guy told me that he told his parents with great confidence. And he says, parents, I know you're worried about me because I'm getting married really soon. But I want you to know Christians don't get divorced. When you're a Christian, you're exempt from divorce. Well, he got divorced. And that's just, and we can look like, oh man, that guy's silly. But for a lot of us, we're all silly. Because we're thinking, man, if I'm a Christian, if I come, if I come to service, I even put stuff in the offering. If I do all that, God's got to somehow make my life easy and good and wonderful. And we forget that, that Jesus says that there's going to be some pain involved. There's going to be some suffering. That even following Jesus will bring some pain and suffering. Because we're going to go against the flow. That people are not always going to like the things that, that we are we are living our lives for and the things that we are doing or not doing, they're going to look at you guys are idiots or worse. And there's going to be some pain and suffering there. And that's what this chapter is addressing. And it's been really, really challenging for me as a pastor and a leader because, man, I haven't really talked about that a whole lot. You know, in fact, I was <clears throat> trying to make it as easy as possible. Hey, guys, follow Jesus. It's going to be good. 
And it is. I never talked about that. We haven't talked about much at all. But sometimes, more than we think, when you follow Jesus, there's some suffering involved. And the crazy thing is, Jesus never sugarcoated what it meant to follow him. See, I'm thinking, here's Jesus, right? And this was Jesus' MO. He went around, he healed, he taught, he did some amazing things, and people started to follow, right? And you would think Jesus would do everything he could to, to get as many people to follow him as possible. <clears throat> and, and that the goal would be that, man, I want everybody to come. When I read the Gospels again with different eyes, I realize something really, really astounding to me. <clears throat> Jesus never sought to build a crowd of people. He did the direct opposite. When more and more people came, he, he, he began to tell them, hey, here's what it means to follow me. And people go like, that's crazy. And he, he always sought to thin the crowd. So strange. And it's so easy in the church to do everything we can to see more and more people come. They might be following Jesus. They might not. No matter as long as they come. And yet Jesus said and did something so different. Here's an example. Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowd following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, Hey, great. Love it. You thought feeding 5,000 was great? We're going to do 10. You know, it's going to be great, all right? He says this, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. If you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. It's like, Jesus, you say that, people are going to leave. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He goes on in verse 28. But don't begin, hey, I don't mind you guys following me, but I want you guys to count the costs. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Right? Then he goes on in verse 31. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. You've got to count the costs. You've got to look. You've got to see with clear eyes. Here's, here's, the, here's the deal. And then he says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. 
That was his, that was his message to people who were seeking to follow him. Jesus shared some pretty tough things, you know. He never said, follow me, it's going to be easy, free food if you're hungry, you know. He never, he said, he said that if you follow me, you count the cost. But if you follow me, it's going to be amazing. That, that it's going to be amazing. That there's, there's nothing that's going to compare. And nothing that is more important in our life. Because we were created. We were created to follow Jesus. And what Jesus is saying, and he would say to the crowds, and he's saying to us, is like, I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to force anybody to follow me. But if you choose to follow me, if you choose to be my disciple, then you got a choice to make. Then you got a choice to make on how you're going to live your life. That's what he was saying. That, that you, it's going to be your choice. That you can live your life for your own benefit, for your desires, for your comfort, for just for everything you want, or you can give up your life and follow him. That was pretty clear. He wasn't saying, you can have everything you want as long as you have a little room for me over here. He didn't say that. Live for you or give up everything and follow me. See? I gotta say, we gotta choose what is gonna be the focus of our lives. And so often in the American church, we want it all because we've been taught that, that you can have it all. You can have everything you want, and you can have Jesus too. You can have everything on earth. You can have, you can have more than you want. And you can also have eternal life. And, and Jesus is saying, you follow me. It's going to be challenging. You're going to have to suffer some. There's going to be pain involved. It's not always going to be easy because it's not supposed to be. But there's going to be a God purpose for everything that you go through. And that that even if you cannot see what God is doing, he is working out something good. That there is good that comes out of suffering and pain. Francis Chan kind of gave a, a little talk about this. I want to show that real quick. excited about the chapter that you just read, Crucified. Um, this is not talked about enough in churches, um, at least that I've visited or been a part of. And because of that, it's almost like trials and suffering take us off guard. And people even walk away from God because they didn't understand that trials were going to come. 
because people aren't honest up front explaining the cost of following Jesus. So when it gets difficult, they're like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen and it didn't work for me. It's like, well, if you understood, if you had a good theology of suffering, um, that would have solved a lot of this misunderstanding of the events of your life. Uh, this is so fresh to me because, okay, I just got back from Israel and I was teaching through the book of Mark. And it was so clear as I went from place to place where Jesus taught and I thought through the events that took place in this place, in this place, in this place, how much the people were with him as long as things were good. But the moment he mentioned suffering, that's when the departure would take place. And it, it never hit me until I was uh, at standing at, the, at Mount of Olives, thinking about the triumphal entry. And you're standing on this mountaintop and you've got these masses of people about to head in Jerusalem and think about what they've seen so far. In fact, it's very possible that Lazarus was actually in that crowd. Okay, so imagine all these people, because Bethany's right there. And so he passed through Bethany. He's on the Mount of Olives, about to end in Jerusalem. All these people are going nuts. A lot of them that knew a man who had been dead for days, and that guy might have been even traveling with them. People that have been healed of leprosy, blindness, paralytics. I mean, the stories have gone on and on. Meanwhile, Jesus has been so strong about the religious leaders and about any. I mean, he was just above everything. And so everyone's screaming, the Messiah, Hosanna, this is it. We're going to go. We're going to take over. But then the moment he's betrayed and his words start echoing about him saying, no, I'm actually going to go and die. Remember that. Remember when Peter confessed Jesus, oh, you're the Messiah, great, great, great. But then once Jesus explained, well, the Son of Man's going to have to suffer, Peter's like, no, no. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Why, Peter didn't want that story of the Messiah suffering? No one did. They wanted this Messiah to be this triumphal, let me, you take away all the pain, all the sickness, all the government, all these false leaders, everyone else just take over. And once he starts suffering, they start leaving. And when it comes time, those same people who are screaming Hosanna are screaming, crucify him now. And I'm scared And how many people have been taught a gospel that doesn't include suffering, that doesn't include any cost? When the truth is, is Jesus was so clear, following me will cost you everything, but it is so worth it. All the temporary trials compared to what you'll have in the future Following Jesus, he made it so clear. You cannot be my follower unless you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And so this week, be honest, be honest. I know this is new material for some of you. 
but study the scriptures, read the scriptures, see, am I making this up? Or is it just that we've isolated a few verses and preached them over and over rather than preaching the whole counsel of God's word? Because it was very clear to me when I was in Israel, whoa, it was the suffering he called them to. And that's when everyone left him. And some of you today may find out that you never really decided to follow Jesus. You wanted to be forgiven. You wanted to make sure that you weren't going to go to hell. You just wanted forgiveness of your sins. But you're not really a follower of Christ. You don't really get the good news. And so (laughs) I prayed a lot for this chapter and will continue to do so that the church really would rise up and understand this is not some sort of second level Christianity. This is what we're called to. We're called to surrender this life for something much better in the next. And as we lose our lives here on earth, we're actually going to find it. And we'll actually, like Peter says in 1 Peter 4, actually be able to rejoice in our suffering. And that's what I'm praying for. When we become rejoicers in our suffering, that's when we become unstoppable. And I think that's the kind of church we all want to be a part of. My prayer is that we will just count the costs and we'd all choose to follow him. You know, the apostles counted the costs and they chose to follow Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, verse 40 to 42, um, you know, it reads this. Uh, his speech had persuaded much of them, and they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching, never stopped proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Their experience as they followed Jesus was that they were warned. All the good stuff was happening, but they were warned. Stop doing what you're doing. They were flogged for their troubles. They're not just a little spanking, they're flogged. And just after they're worn, and just after their backs are sore, and and it's a mess because they got flogged, what's their response? They rejoice. They rejoice because they were counted worthy of suffering for Jesus. That was their response. And they continued to teach. They continued to proclaim the good news about Jesus. They continued to follow Jesus. What's the results? The results many, many people were saved and the church continued to grow. See, a church that counts the costs and chooses to follow Jesus is a faithful, fruitful, and fulfilled church and that they experience the presence and the power of Jesus. There's a church in Nigeria. The church in Nigeria, their experience as followers of Christ, in many areas of Nigeria, they suffer like much violence from militant Islamic um, you know, activists and groups. Uh, even they, they suffer torture, 
Uh, they, they, they suffer even death. Um, they are dispossessed from their land and their means of livelihood. They, they face discrimination and exclusion. They're like second-class citizens. And if they have a Muslim background, you know, they're, they're rejected by their family. And just the pressure is incredible to, to give up their faith. That's their experience as a church. Their response. They continue to follow Jesus. They continue to share his gospel even in the midst of those threats and the suffering. One mother whose daughter was taken captive because she refused to renounce her faith, um, this, this mom, she uh, pleaded with the U.S. government to help. And she pleaded, saying, I have brought my cry here. Her daughter Leah is a beautiful child. She loves the Lord. And I'm so proud of her for not giving in. And she spent her 15th and 16th birthdays in captivity, and we really want her to come back home. That's that's their response to what they're experiencing. And the results of it all is in the midst of this horrific pain and suffering of this church in Nigeria, that that it, it is one of the fastest growing churches in the world. At present, they're looking at maybe 50% of, of Nigeria now Christian. And they continue to follow Jesus. One of my best friends in seminary was a, was a man from Nigeria. And there was something special about him. That, that he counted the cost even to get to seminary. And he was just like the greatest guy. But pain and suffering is a part of their experience. But they continue to follow Jesus. The underground church, the underground house church movement in China, their experience as followers of Christ. The Communist Party is intensifying persecution. They're closing churches, arresting pastors and leaders. Pastors are being charged with inciting subversion, a, a, a crime that can, can carry uh, up to 15 years in prison. Um, in January of this year, Some are saying that this is the worst crackdown on Christianity since the country's cultural revolution. Amazing, you know. In the days of Mao, said this is the worst crackdown. Where and and their response to what they're experiencing as followers of Jesus, they count the costs. They continue to follow Jesus. One leader said. We are of the few who dare to face what is wrong in society. Most churches don't dare talk about this, but we obey strictly, strictly obey the Bible, and we don't avoid anything. Francis Chan wrote in this chapter when he talked to leaders in the underground uh, house church movement in China, they said that five foundational pillars, right? This is what they have built this movement upon. First thing was a deep commitment to prayer. Every person passionately and regularly prays. Every person. They have a deep commitment to the word of God. Everybody is just passionate with a hunger reading God's word. They have a deep commitment to share the gospel. Everybody, not just leaders, 
They're committing themselves to sharing the gospels with co-workers, with family, with everybody in the midst of persecution and the threat of arrest and all this stuff. Four, a regular expectation. And you know what? The first three is like, yeah, man, got it. Right? Fourth one, a regular expectation of miracles. Because they so passionately pray and because they all believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, they expect God to do miracles. It's like, okay, we got a ways to go there. But they regularly expect miracles. And then the fifth one, and Francis Chan says, whoa, that fifth one. The fifth prayer, the word, you know, uh, sharing the gospel, regular expectation of miracles. And this is the fifth one. A value that they found this movement and the church on, their lives on, is this. Embracing the suffering for the glory of Christ. That that's part of their five foundations. They put it right up there. Embracing suffering for the glory of God. They're willing to go wherever and do whatever, no matter what the cost. So what's the result? The underground church in China continues to thrive and to grow. Even in the midst of persecution and suffering, it's still one of the fastest growing churches in the world. They continue to follow Jesus. Rough estimates, over 110 million people have given their lives to the Lord. They continue to follow Jesus. You see, God has called us to be a church that's committed to him, sharing the gospel about, sharing the good news about Jesus, understanding that we will experience suffering. There's no accident that God has led us to this series at this time. See, God has, God has given us the, the privilege of sending out a group of people to start a church. And then when we look at our church, we go like, whoa, God has pruned us back. Right? We were here, now we're here. But it's for a reason and a purpose. He wants us to, to focus in on him because he prunes a branch that is bearing fruit. He don't prune a dead branch. He prunes a healthy branch so he can bear more fruit. And that's what God wants us to do. And my prayer is that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey. That when God says, this is where I want you to go, church, that we would go. Even if, even in the midst of suffering and trials. We need everyone to experience God, see his face, engage in God's call for us. And more than anything, we need the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. It starts with all of us counting the costs. See, frankly, I would say to you, and I've said in the past, that I, I, I'm allergic to suffering and pain. You know, I am. I just break out in hives. I haven't seen a dentist for a while. Because dentist, it's, it's about pain. You know, I haven't seen a doctor in a long time. But God has been teaching me about pain and suffering and loss. And so for the last few months, I've been seeing a psychologist, you know. And it was quite shocking to me when I first went. I've been going for, I think I went about 12 times now. I go every, every week. And it was quite shocking at first because I just thought I was getting counseling. And until he said to me, oh, 
Have you spoken to so-and-so about your therapy? I'm in therapy now. I didn't know I was in therapy. I didn't know I had a therapist. I thought I was just going to counseling. But it's been really good. And I went there because I, th I thought that I was depressed. You know, clinically, there, I was just going through stuff, and I thought, man, I'm just not handling stuff in a healthy way. So I went there for that. Went there, met with him, and I said, man, you know what? I, 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 he better not have a couch because I ain't lying on no couch. You know how psychologists and couches and all that? I go in there, first thing I see is this big brown couch. I have never laid on that couch. I just sit on it. But I go in there, and, and after the first session, I go, hey, what do you think? He goes, you know, I, I really don't think you're depressed. I think you're a little weird. No, he didn't say that. I said, <laughs> I, said I don't think you're depressed, but you're having a hard time handling painful things like grief and, and, and losses in your life and that, that, that you're grieving, but you don't grieve well. And, uh, and, and he said that over the years, I've just kind of stuffed a lot of all that emotion and the feelings that you get of sadness and loss when, 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 when people die or move away or, or whatever, any kind of loss uh, that comes. And that he said, my bucket is all full. And so if another loss comes, you know, it just overflows. And that's why I said, man, I just, you know, like when my daughter went to the mainland to live and work and live on the mainland, you know, I just knew there was, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't grieving. I wasn't, I wasn't sad in a healthy way. And so we've been working through that. And it's been really, really good. You know, God's been there. And I wanted to just share, I shared all that to share with you that I'm learning something that is so great in the area of pain and suffering and fear. Because when I have the threat of, of pain or suffering or loss, there's like warning lights go off in my brain, danger, 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 and then I just grab control. And I try to control the situation, control some stuff, do something to try to alleviate this pain or fear or whatever. I take it in my own hands. And what I'm learning to do is that, that, that I've got to have a different routine now. That when the danger lights flash, that I've got to handle it in a different way. And a different way for me is to, to stop and say, God, you have been faithful in my life. You have. And, and you have always shown yourself to be faithful. That I've suffered stuff, but, but I've always come through. Because you've always been faithful. And I know that, that my life is not supposed to be trouble-free. Kids are supposed to grow up and leave the house. You know? That one day we're all going to die. My prayer is I die before my wife. Her prayer is she dies before me. And as I'm going through this, the Lord is beginning to work in my heart. And I'm beginning to see, instead of danger, 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 I see every opportunity I have where fear comes in and the fear of loss 
or sadness or pain comes in, I look at it, it's like, this is an opportunity. Only the Holy Spirit could do this. It's an opportunity that I have to see God in a more real and personal way. Because God is with me in the suffering. He doesn't take it away, but he's going to be there because he's always been there. And all of a sudden, I look and I say, okay, if I get this, if I get gout, that's an opportunity for me to see God in a greater and deeper and more personal way. If I get cancer, that's an opportunity. When my kids leave, when Janelle finally leaves the house, that's an, that's, 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 that's an opportunity I have. And every situation where there's fear of pain and suffering and loss and grief are opportunities to experience God in a greater way. And it's just transforming the way I think. And I believe that God, God, God wants us, God wants to show us that yeah, there's going to be suffering, but you're going to experience me in a way you've never experienced me before. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So I want to encourage you. When you think about your relationship with Jesus, when you think about what it means to follow Jesus, count the cost. It's not about you. It's not about your life becoming a fairy tale. It's about God with you every step and in every situation you find yourself in. God is going to be there. And you're going to experience God in a greater and deeper way. And, and I pray that we would be a church of people who, in light of suffering and pain, we will continue to follow Jesus and we would see what the church in Nigeria is. We would see what the church in China is seeing. And that God would use us in like just powerful ways to draw people and bring people to him. Man, that is what God is calling us to. Why don't you stand with me? Sorry, went over a little bit. I know there's the 49ers playing right now, so I know you all want to get home. But let's take a little bit of time to just worship the God who loves us and will be with us even in the midst of pain and suffering, all right?